Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casselelin, the French football podcast with the accent. The name is Jeremy Magan, of course I'm your host as usual. And with Ligue 1 being done, there is still football to talk about. And during these five weeks or so, we're going to try and do a couple of episodes to talk about the World Cup. Of course, in Qatar, World Cup 2022 and France being one of the teams that is touted to maybe make it to the final slash win it. We're going to have a few podcasts, I hope, not only just a couple, and then we are in after the group stage. But anyway, we're going to start with a preview podcast, not of the whole World Cup, but of Game 1, France against Australia. As you guys know, I live in Australia, so I have a few friends here who support their own national team, the, the famous Socorro. So that's what I had for this first podcast. I've invited uh, three friends that... I actually write with in a uh, in an Australian publication, uh, and and you're basically going to hear the three of them disagreeing about what makes Australia great. But I think it's also a very good uh, way to understand what's going on in this team, the forces of this team, who's who's great, uh, and and who probably is is here by mistake. But you're going to hear a lot of names that maybe you haven't heard before, and what they can bring. If you're going to have to remember some names at the end, just watch what he said about players like Mitchell Duke or Garan Um It was a very exciting pod to have, good debate to have with Australian football experts about their own national team. Stay tuned for the preview of France-Australia on Casseleligne after the music. So here we are, Casseleligne, ex-front page football today, a special podcast to preview the first game of France and Australia in the World Cup. And to join me in this uh, podcast video and audio, the, the front page football club, uh, I guess I'll call them that way, the, the team of front page football, I'm going to introduce our three guests today. Our first guest, uh, the common football fan himself, you should go and check out his, uh, his Insta and his podcast uh, all the way from Sydney, an A-League and A-League women specialist and one of the finest minds in the FPF squad, Cody Ojeda. How are you, Cody? I am great. And I really do appreciate those kind words and the shout out to the Common Football fan. A lot of Australian football content on that if you are interested. But yeah, look, very happy to be here. Stoked. Good, good content on the Common Football fan. Go, go check it out. Next guest. He's not a Dane yet. He has the name. He's not the cousin of... Ashley and Marie-Kate, his rants as well as his historic knowledge of the game shows that he's truly passionate about the game. Ladies and gentlemen, from WA, Matt Olsen. How are you, Matt? Merci, uh, Jeremy. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here to uh, talk about what is going to be a, a big game for uh, for France and the Socceroos, respectively. Last but not least, our final guest, the Don, whose name would make you think that his team is not on the World Cup. He's the co-founder and chief editor of Front Page Football, the king of all South Australians, Zach Close, biggest fan, I was told, a true Adelaide man, Christian Markety. How are you, sir? Jeremy, I don't, I, I'm trying to contemplate whether that was a, a, as a proper welcome <laughs> or if that was just outlining all of my, uh, all the memes he that have been made about me. Out of the, he's researched um, the fuck out of that intro. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I tell you, that was, that was very, very impressive. Um, no, I'm, Absolutely delighted to come on your podcast, mate. And uh, as as we we're saying off air, I've got a little bit of identity crisis tonight. Of course, uh, being a guest and not a host, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, rejig the way I uh, approach this podcast. I reckon. Christian, for whoever listening, uh, yeah, co-founded uh, Front Page Football, and basically 
recruited everybody who's on this pod to the team. I also uh, help Christian Marketing very, uh, very seldom, I'd say, are my contribution this year. But there's a, a good article coming out about the, the three opponents of the Socceru for, for the World Cup, starting with France, of course, since I, I know them a little bit, uh, and also a bit of Denmark and, and Tunisia. Today, you guys are here, of course, so we can talk about France-Australia, the first game for both teams, just like in 2018, we, we opened the World Cup uh, against each other. Kind of like before we start, if you if you guys want to um, sort of like slowly introduce yourself and, and start with telling me your, your favorite soccer memory, sorry. Uh, Cody, you want to kick off? Yeah, um, so if I'm just introducing myself personally, I've been writing at Front Page Football since about February or March, so you're talking maybe nine, ten months now. Um, definitely enjoyed my time. That's really been my first foray into the football journalism. Well, he's he's got no choice to say he's enjoyed his he's time. He's got to say I'm, I'm right here, here. It? So. <laughs> Look, I, Christian, if I didn't, Christian, if I didn't like it, I'd just leave. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I've stuck around for this long. Clearly, I'm uh, clearly I'm happy. Clearly, you're doing something right. This is a, this is a reflection on you, by the way. So, <laughs> oh no, I know. Keep talking, please. <laughs> gas you up a little bit, man. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like I said, that's really been my first foray into the journalism side of things. Obviously, I do the common football fan on the side where it's just more satirical, lighthearted approach sort of thing. Um, definitely not professional usually. Um, but yeah, that's basically been my history of football. I did a bit of coaching for the last six, seven years at a lower level. Um, some would say I'm very good. Some would say not so much. Um, I would probably say bang average, to say the least. Um <laughs> <laughs> if I had to name my favorite Socceroos memory, uh, I don't know if I can go past the 2015 Asian Cup simply because I was only five years old when um, John Aloisi scored the winning penalty to send us to the 2006 World Cup. So I was very much a baby and didn't really live through that period where Australia never made a World Cup. So obviously I don't feel it as much. Um, up there, kind of contentiously maybe would be Redmayne save in the last Peru game that did re, um, reduce me to tears like I was a five-year-old. But yeah, th- definitely two big highlights of me supporting Socceroos and probably everyone else's as well. Sorry, guys. I think I stole your answers. That, that was a pretty good... Yeah, pretty you stole good, mine. Uh, Thanks, Cody. Pretty, pretty <laughs> good example. Managed to, you've somehow managed to put three different answers in there. What's the What's the point? Matt, Matt, well, Matt, you can't, you can't, Matt, you can't have a go at him for putting three answers because we know that you're going to take half an hour if we go to your favourite Socceroos <laughs> memory, all right? Jesus. I'm supposed to take Oglu, who was the coach when uh, when Australia won the 2015 um, Asian Cup. is often talked about on this pod, so so people who listen to it will uh, will hear of it. I I talk about it often. Uh, Matt, you, your turn. Okay, if you want to tell us if one of your oh, favorite oh, memories is not Cody's, than, than Cody did. Yeah. Um, look, I think in terms of memories, I'll actually I'll actually instead of really talking specifically about what happened with the game. I'll just talk about how I was introduced to the game because like many Australians, I grew up with uh, Australian rules football and cricket, right? And my love for the game came from the sense of community that both the A-League and the Socceroos as a, as a, as a following really, really gave me, right? So, um, and this is something that it would certainly be foreign to a lot of people from, from Europe and from France, Jeremy. Um, so, you know, coming from that background and coming to embrace football in that way, it's, it's why the soccer brews mean a lot. And it's why, uh, you know, a football team of my country means so much. Interesting that there's, a, there's definitely in Australia, a bit of a country over, over club, not the same, uh, culture that maybe we, we're used to where, where I'm from, uh, Christian, your, your turn, your, your intro and, and your favorite Sogo memory. 
Yeah, well, Cody obviously stole my favorite soccerer's memory um, with the Asian Cup. Um, and to be honest, my reasoning was very similar to his with the John Aloisi stuff that I was, well, I want to say four years old when that happened. Um, so I know my dad was at the game um, and it was just, yeah, he was telling me it was unbelievable and, and this sort of stuff. But um, the I could even, you know, even the 2011 Asian Cup was kind of that was the first real Socceroos tournament that I was actually watching to be honest and that was a weird kind of run a little bit unexpected from the Socceroos and a couple of unsung heroes in there as well and and Australia made it all the way to the final so even that was kind of interesting but the 2015 Asian Cup um I was at the oh, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was round of 16 or quarterfinal against China where Tim Cale scored the bicycle kick in at Suncorp uh as well and that was uh really just you know brilliant to be a part of of course as a spectator but then as well um i always think it's really interesting how the semi-final was played at uh in newcastle and you know obviously we wouldn't usually associate you know newcastle with um you know such big such a big fixture but uh it was and you know we stunned um i believe again off the top of my head i think it was uae matt cody oh, UAE, Matt Cody's cody UAE, yeah that's right that's right um, and we just stunned them at the start of the game. I think Davidson and Sainsbury scored uh, 2-0 and, and this, this, that and the other. And then the final, of course, was just an unbelievable spectacle. Uh, watched that from home, but still uh, terrific. So that one would be mine. Uh, in terms of my background, um, yeah, obviously, you know, I am the Don, um, as you guys have been, uh, you know, alluding to. And uh, yeah, I, uh, of course, run front page football and um, yeah, done some other media work in the past. Written for a few other sites, uh, Australian football, and and did some media work even this year with um with Adelaide City, uh, which is a local NPL team here in SA. And like Cody, I do do some coaching as well. So, mate, I'm uh, I'm all into it football wise, absolutely. And uh, I support Chelsea as well in terms of European stuff. And uh, at the moment, I have to trust the process with them. So, <laughs> <laughs> not the easiest team to to go with. Uh, two words for uh, for your feeling. We, let's go into the World Cup. We're going to do a bit of a, a deep dive on the team, of course. But uh, Christian, we're staying with you. Two words on your feeling about the Australian national football team before this tournament. So, Jeremy, I've got five words. Um, and my five words are rock and a hard place. Um, and the reason they're rock and a hard place is because I think this team and this pool of players that Australia have got potentially in the next World Cup cycle could be at a much better, be in a much better position. Um, but right now, I don't think it is. Yet you still want to see how it goes at this World Cup. So that's kind of what I mean by I'm kind of in a rock and a hard place between how I feel about this team because I don't think it's really going to do much of this World Cup, I'll be honest. But I think long-term, it has a lot of potential. And I think when we were discussing on, on the Front Page Football Podcast about the squad, um, and dissecting the squad and the selections that were made and actually going through and thinking about we've actually got four or five players in this position oh, and here's this guy that we didn't know about and this guy that we didn't know about and that we didn't think about. And that's something that I never really felt maybe when thinking about a Socceroos squad before, the actual sheer depth. Now, the quality of that depth at the moment, in my opinion, isn't quite there, but potentially in the next World Cup cycle, it could be. So that's kind of my feeling, rocking a hard place with, with this team at the moment. A great two words and a half, Christian. Matt, Matt, your turn. Two words about the Australia before the World Cup. Cautious optimism. I think we have to show a lot of cautious optimism because of this hullabaloo around the Champions Curse. I mean, it, people just can't shut up about it. And Jeremy, I can imagine how it makes you feel, but 
the fact that it's giving Australians this this you know cautious optimism about about potentially winning against France, you know, we have to really we have to really and we have to realize that we're a pot four team. These tournaments they tend to be a disaster for us. You know, the four 0 loss to Germany and South Africa comes to mind. Um, and and that could easily happen again. You know, it didn't happen in 2018, and we're playing two of those same teams again, which means they're going to be just as familiar with us. So, yeah, um, just be cautious and, and and just hope for the best in, in due course. You know, it's not going to come straight away. Cody? Would I get crucified if I said Aussie DNA? Yes, DNA. It's a little bit cringe, but I, I know what you mean. Boxing Honestly, kangaroos. <laughs> If I had to pick two words, I'd probably Please say... Please explain to Alice now what the Aussie DNA is. Look, if I could do it in another two words, I'd say desire and passion. If there's one thing that I think we can expect from this Australia side is that we aren't going to go... We are going to go down with a fight if we do go down. And honestly, some of the players, the mentality that we've got going into this tournament, I do like it. And I think that's... If there's one thing that I can say positively about Graham Arnold, he does have a lot of passion for this job. And he does really know how to motivate his players. And if there's anything that's going to get us through this tournament that's going to see any positive outcome, it will mainly be that. It won't be because we're set up tactically very well because I don't think Arnold is that great of a coach in terms of tactically. But he's a great man manager. He's a great motivator. And if there's something that's going to help get us through this tournament, get us through this group and possibly cause an upset, it will be that Aussie DNA that he instills, that desire, that passion that comes from wearing the jersey. Cody, I think Mitch Langrak, Mitch Langrak disagrees that he's a great man manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but was that um, Graham Arnold or was that John Crawley? Yeah, it was a bit, so, was a bit more John Crawley. Or was it, was it Graham Arnold passing mm. blame on a John Crawley? Oh, no. Oh, I think, oh, I think there you go. There you go. No, Christian's <laughs> right there as well. Cody, um, you you talk about the, the pride of the jersey, right? Um, Jeremy, as you know, it is the 100th anniversary of the Socceroos, and that. Oh no, Matt's that, gonna cry. Matt's gonna cry. No, no, I'll <laughs> reel it cry. in. I'll, I will reel it in. It just obviously the fixture means a lot from that perspective as well, because we weren't expected to go to the World Cup, and now we get to represent the Socceroos that came before us. So that there's a big, big pride in that. What, what, what do you, what do you fear about facing France? I'll tell you right now that in France, no one cares about the World Cup curse. If anything, we're pretty we're pretty happy about it because when you don't expect us is when we are good. 2002, we thought we are going to beat everyone and then we really smashed ourselves. Now we know that we can fail. So we're just seeing that the fact that the past six months we've been shit means we're going to be pretty good at the World Cup. So we are very confident um, in in a way that is like, we know we can fail. So we're pretty good that we think we, we're going to be all right. What's what's your, yeah, I guess, what's your feeling about facing France first? You know, 2018 wasn't too far. I think it was a, almost a most a bit of a theft job from us. Um, so so what, what do you guys feel about that, that first game? If there's one thing that concerns me about France personally, um, obviously it's well documented that France have a number of players hanging over an injury cloud, whether that be within the camp or players that weren't in the squad or players that have had to leave the squad since. And I think it's that fact that is worrying me because it almost leads us into a false sense of hope where it's like, oh, okay, these guys have their injuries. They've got key players out. Maybe we'll be able to get a result and take advantage of that. But the problem is France's depth is very much stacked. They'll have ready-made players coming in and not just that, but a lot of the players that will be coming in will be younger players that want to prove themselves as well, where it won't be, they don't feel like they have that divine right to just walk into a, walk into a World Cup and do well where it'll be of, yeah, I'm playing for France, but I'm going to prove that I can be the starting midfielder, the starting striker long-term. 
And that's what worries me about Australia because it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to go up against this World Cup curse. But now we feel like we're playing against a team that actually has something to prove, even though they're World Cup, they're reigning champions. So that's that's a bit of a concern in my in my eyes. What do you reckon, Matt? You said cautious the optimism. Thing, yeah, the one thing I would say is if we if we focus on France, if we say, oh well, Pogba's not there, and and you know they've they've got all these these injury problems going on, and yeah, no, but 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 I would still say don't don't put the attention on that. Don't focus on. No, what I mean, we it's can a positive for France, Matt. That, positive yeah. for France. Yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, without question. On Jeremy, do you think it's a positive? That uh, I've actually got uh, some interesting thoughts around the midfield, uh, Jeremy, uh, which we can get into maybe later. But yeah, yeah, well, well go, Christian, it, it, it's a pretty good segue anyway because my my entire thought process around this game is if we focus on what combinations work, if we focus on the best eleven that we can put out that we know can counter counter the French eleven well then, you know, that's that's the recipe to success. Is, is It's focusing on us. It's not not caring about France um, because we already know it's 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 written that they're the best team in the world, that they're the world champions. So unlike, to make a comparison, when we played Jordan at the 2019 Asian Cup, we disrespected them and they beat us and it was awful. This is the polar opposite of that. There's already the respect there. Of course there is. They're the world champions. So let's focus on us. Let's put the emphasis on us and see what we can do. And if we work through our strengths, that's the first step towards success. Yeah, you know, Jeremy, go ahead, go ahead, Christian. Sorry, sorry, Jeremy. Um, Just ask you, what's the feeling like? Because France, French fans are well aware of Australia from 2018, right? So now going into this game, are they remembering that result? Do they remember that it was, you know, a bit of a tough grind and and it wasn't straightforward as they may have thought? What's the feeling, I guess, towards Australia? I think the the French fans themselves they're not even looking at the other team. They're too focused on on France and on the fact that you know we don't know which players are going to play. And for the first time in forever, Deschamps didn't call an, another centre back that is left footed. So everybody's looking at what Deschamps is doing. And for the past year and a half, he's done three five two etc. And all of a sudden he says, "Oh, it's over. We're going back to what we are doing in 2018." So so it's very much our own team centric as far as. The, the group and what transpires from what's going on in the group. Um, the way the way Deschamps runs this, um, every single game he wants to win them 1-0 and 2-1, he doesn't want anything else. And so they're going to face Australia the same way they would start the quarterfinal or the semifinal for a range of reasons. But one of them is we didn't get the month and a half, no one did, but we didn't get the month and a half to get ready for the World Cup. So from game one onwards, it's going to be, I guess, the very first sort of training game to get to where we want to go. So even if you're just Australia, we're going. France is going to play with four centre-backs in the four defensive position with three defensive midfielders, technically, um, and with just somebody who runs fast up front that we can give the ball and somebody who's tall and, and can head it. So we will play from the beginning as if we are going to play Argentina and Germany. So I think France is actually taking even Australia pretty seriously because they are looking for their systems to work. You guys mentioned Pogba not being here. Um, you know, Chouameni needs to explode on the world scene and Fofana needs to show who he is. And then Kamavinga, when he's going to come, he needs to show who he is. So it's a bit, yeah, I think it's a bit scary for every um, opponent because if the if the mayonnaise takes, uh, as we say in France, the, the French national team can be scary because like Koji was saying, they have to prove themselves. They have to show that they deserve to be where they are, that they're not just here because everybody else was injured. Uh, and they have to prepare the next couple of 
um, of, of dates that we have with, uh, with Destiny. And in two years, they got the Olympic Games in France and they're trying to make a big deal out of the fact that we have to win the Olympic Games because the French national team haven't. So like players like Mbappé, Chouameni, uh, Kamavinga have already said now that they want to play the Olympic Games as well as the Euro in 2024. So there's like, there's this big momentum going on. And on top of all that, a guy like Didier Deschamps just wins whatever he does, just wins. Last, the fact that he got kicked out of the round of 16 and the Euro is, is a huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he's not like he's saying it without saying it. The, the, winning the Nations League was like, something that they had to do. And then the rest of the year, he almost said, I just try as many players as I can to get ready for the World Cup. So it's most likely his last. Uh, so, so they are coming very confident and we are very easy. We're very happy to criticize the choices and, and what they are doing. But I think the group itself um, knows what to expect. Benzema just got the Ballon d'Or. He's got to prove it's his last World Cup. Mbappé has been criticized all year for being a, a kid with, with full of tantrum. He's got to prove himself. Um, the defense has been told that they are shit in clubs. They have to prove themselves. So we, yeah, we're pretty happy with uh, with where we are. I think because for once um, we don't come in a tournament like this thinking we're going to win it. We know that we have to earn the way we play to get to win, and that's usually a position that um, I think I think France likes to uh, likes to be in. Um, let, let's quickly go through the. Through, through your team a little bit, through Australia. I want to go through the players that have been called. I got this amazing uh, PDF file of all the, uh, that FIFA sent to some of some journalists around of all the players called them. I mean, some of them aren't um, exactly uh, up to date because it was from three days ago. Uh, but, but I'll quickly say names. And I think some people who listen will know some and, and some won't. Uh, it's by order of uh, jerseys. So it'll be basically almost a starting 11 and the rest. Mati Ryan, Milos Dejenek, um, Nat Akinson, Kai Rolles. You guys are going to laugh at my accent, but we're fine. Uh, Fran Karasic, Martin Boyle, Matthew Lecky, Bailey Wright, Jamie McLaren, that people don't know enough, I think. Um, Aizdin Rustich, uh, Awer Mabil, Andrew Redmayne, Aaron Moy, Riley McGree, Mitch Duke, Aziz Behic, Cameron Devlin, Danny Vukovic, Harry Soutar, Thomas Deng, Garen Kuol, Jackson Irvine, Craig Goodwin, Joel King, Jordan Cummings, and Kinu Bacchus. There's not a lot of players that are known outside of Australia. So you guys were talking about your first memory as Socorro, right? I'm a bit older than you guys. Um, so m- my first memories of Socorro's weren't the Socorro's itself, but were the Australian players that were playing at Leeds, basically. Um, you know, Mark Biduka and, and Ari Curl, and uh, also Brett Emerton from European football, and uh, uh, what's his name in... Fiorentina, Mark Bresciano. Um, so, so in France, we still have this story of even when we don't face Australia, we know Australia always have three, four players that we have to fear. And there's definitely not that feeling this year because there has been chat about Mali Ryan changing clubs and not finding a place where he can start. There has been chats about Aydin Rustic with the same reason because um, we just play Frankfurt. Marseille played Frankfurt in, uh, in Champions League this year. Uh, and so they use that to talk about him not having a spot in Frankfurt and having to go. Um, so so th- there's a bit of this, you know, Australia always have great players, but where are they now? Um, what what do you guys think about the starting 11 and what, what does this team look like this, this year? What can they really bring? Where does the danger come from? Well, look, I think, you know, I'm the natural 
more the natural pessimist, I'll be brutally honest. And and Cody and Matt will probably come in and, and talk a bit more optimistically. But I do have to agree with that sentiment, to be brutally honest. Um, I think, but I think it goes back to maybe what I was saying at the start is that we have to see maybe what this team is like in, in two years' time and, and how many players we have, you know, playing in the top five leagues and this sort of thing. And and that is a common metric, I guess, used for, for the Socceroos. You know, how many have we got playing regularly in the top five league, this, that, and the other. Um, but... You know, I just think, you know, you mentioned Hrustic there um, and, you know, he's just, he's probably our best outfield player, arguably, right? Um, if you look at CV as well, but even he has just had a bit of a rocky kind of 12 months as well. Like there's no real player in this team besides, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe Aaron Moy of late has started kind of, you know, working his way now into starting 11 at Celtic, but there isn't someone you know, that I can really point to in our starting 11, potential starting 11, who has had like a really good 12 months, no, you know, setbacks, anything like that, is playing regular football in Europe, this sort of thing. And I think that's the thing that really stands out about this team. In saying that, I do think we do have some some threats, but I don't know, look, I don't think they're really going to threaten France too much, but in terms of maybe Tunisia and Denmark, they could do something. Look, I think in terms of the A-League players, I do think we have a couple of players who could potentially do something maybe you know if i if i'm dipping into my optimistic side i think craig goodwin's in absolutely spectacular form and i of course i'm going to say that as a south australian but he's you know this is as good as i've ever seen him to be brutally honest with you and yeah i just think he could be one who surprises a couple i I have him starting potentially against france as well and i think matthew leckie's looked excellent at the start of the a-league season for melbourne city uh um and i think I, I, for one, was really surprised by the way he came out to start the season. And then you kind of thought about it and you thought, well, he's actually trying to get himself really ready for this World Cup. And I think he's done that really well. And the other one for me, who I think everyone is is sweating on fitness-wise, is Harry Suter. And it's more match fitness because he, he, he is back for Stoke now, uh, or was back anyway, before obviously now joining the team in Qatar uh, and did play, did play a couple of games. But... Is he going to be, you know, primed and ready to go to to deal with, you know, Mbappe and 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 these types of players? I don't know, um, but he's by far our best defender in my opinion when he's when he's fully fit. So so those I guess are a couple of names I'm, I'm rattling off, but I do have to agree probably with the general sentiment that this squad isn't in the best place. But I do think there's cause for optimism in the future. Martin, your caution optimism. The which player are you looking forward to seeing and, and which player do you think in that starting 11 can uh, can cause problems to friends? Uh, I still would would pin a lot of my hope on the midfield, mostly because that's where you get the bulk of your experience and it's where you get the bulk of your European experience as well. Rostich obviously spent time at Frankfurt. You know that he's gone off to Verona. Um, Aaron Moy was only in Celtic's team because Callum McGregor got badly injured. But I don't want to. I don't want to focus too much on that because the the man has delivered at Premier League level quite strongly, actually. So when you've when you've got that in your eleven, that's the experience you're going to need against France. And and what's going on at club level is less relevant, um, in in my opinion, at least. Um, Jackson Irvine is probably the player that's had the most consistency. He has bedded in so well at St Pauli. He lives and breathes that club. He is the embodiment of that club. And I think he's the one exception to, to what Christian had just basically said, that everyone was having this disaster at club level. Jackson Irvine yeah. really hasn't yeah. since, he, since he moved. Yeah. Um, so that midfield three, 
are basically like they're going to create everything and 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 how well they they track back how well they're able to create how well they're able to take on their direct opponents that's where the game is won however look obviously there are some some fitness concerns around Aiden Crustage his replacement as the 10 is a man called Riley McGree who See I've got a different scored... I've got a different replacement okay. I've got a different You've got a different replacement I've also Which had the is, conversation around him mm. replacing Boyle as well on the right. So either way, but if he if mm. he is the ten, I have a, I have just as much faith because he has also fired um, a few goals for Middlesbrough at club level, and that is a club where you know from an Australian perspective anyway. If you're playing in the championship, you're going about your football really well. So I have a lot of faith in the midfield actually, um, but I understand that you know I'm polishing a turd <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Also, also I think describing my summation of this Socceroos squad as a disaster was taken completely out of context by Matt there. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to precise, Koji, your turn. Maybe you're in between in between the two. What do you think about what, See, what the starting 11 looks like and who's the who's I am forever the optimist. I think there is a lot. I think what there's a, a lot of things. Like... <laughs> I don't like to be He's negative. He's picking us to get into the round of 16. Jesus Christ. Uh, look, I, I am. I am picking. He reckons we're finishing second with four points. He reckons we're beating Tunisia and getting a point against Denmark, I've, don't you? I've picked Australia for under sixty. Uh, just, just Tunisia can be really, really frail defensively, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Anyway, I look just looking at this France game alone, and we are talking about if Rustich isn't available. If I had to pick someone to replace him, I'd change the midfield around a little bit. I'd let Moy go further forward. And oh, bring thank in... you. Someone agrees with me. That's exactly what I would do. That's exactly what I would do. And I'd bring Cameron Devlin in alongside Jackson Irvine, and I'd just say, Cammy, go out there and run your socks off. That's that's, that's, that's my thing. He's someone that I don't think is talked about enough when you're talking about our best midfield options because it's the reason why he was brought into this squad. He offers something completely different. He is our natural six where if it weren't for him, we'd probably be playing Irvine there where he's more of a box-to-box midfielder. So allowing Devlin to come in, it does let Irvine push a bit further forward. It lets Moy push a lot much further forward. And we know what Cami Devlin's like. Well, us in Australia know what Cami Devlin's like. Those who are in Scotland would know what Cami Devlin's like as well. He's someone that he will run all day. He will get in people's faces. And a side like France, who maybe aren't expecting that from a side like Australia to really get in and maybe um, clip at the ankles a little bit, that's what he's going to bring. That's what he's going to bring. He's going to get in the French, the French side's faces. He's going to frustrate them maybe even rattle them. And if we do get a good result, that's going to be a key part of it. And like I said, this Aussie DNA where it's where Arnold goes on about, oh, we're going to kick scratch our way through a match. That's only going to be one part of it though, because then you've got to look at where the goals are going to come from. Because if Stu does not in the squad, that's a massive discrepancy we have at set pieces. That's usually a very, very big avenue that we have to go. If we don't have Boyle, that's our two best avenues to go that we don't have. So do we hope on Duke having a masterclass and we just start hitting long balls to him? I don't know. But, Please um, don't start Duke. Yeah, look. Oh, okay, cool. okay. Just, just a few on things that? on that. But, but also, Cody, you can supplement, just my humble opinion, you can supplement Boyle's pace by utilizing our mobile properly. Oh, 100%. It just, just, yeah. depends about, just depends about it, the it is much Mabil, Mabil, only going to start in this team because Arnold has got this faith in him. If you're asking me right now, Mabil's okay. not yeah, going to no, 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 I'm just saying. And I love Awa. I, I love Awa. It's, it's actually not. regardless of him starting in the 11, it's more about him being able to be used as an attacking threat purely because of his pace. His pace right. Absolutely, but you can get that from, from... Yeah, but you, hang on. But Why, aren't you, why, why wouldn't you start Mabil? 
Why wouldn't Lecky, I start the Lecky, build? for experience, would be would be on the, on the left side. Well, honest. I would start Lecky on on the right and Goodwin on the left. That that's that's what I've got oh, right wow. now. But okay. Yeah, but that's what I've got. To lose his spot in the soccer squad. He hasn't played. Come on. He hasn't, he hasn't played at club level, but every time he steps up to the soccer is, he does well. Yeah, look, look, I I, I don't I don't Just know France, that man. the Come club on. form I don't know that the club form matters as much. And I've always stood by that when someone who was was not even playing football in England despite being signed for Aston Villa single handedly wrecked on Furious and got us to a World Cup. So I'm always gonna have faith in players that aren't playing much at club level. It it Fair should point. be about how you're playing for your national team until what happens at your club level affects there. Then, then you start looking at top and bottom. I, I, I agree, but, but, but also it is, it is it is a bit of a daft point. I, I will I will take like it's it's kind of stupid you know, on, on paper, you know. But but there is that fact there. Also, something that 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 I like about Devlin. Now, I, I personally wouldn't start him, but I know that you two would. And the thing for me that really gets me rolled up about Cameron Devlin, two things: he's an assist, he's an, an a historical anomaly in that he was the one Socceroo that made his name in New Zealand playing for the Phoenix, which is just really cool. And secondly, he is someone that would die for the shirt. He openly was weeping on the phone when Graham Arnold told him that he was selected for a World Cup. That's the passion you need in your 11 going up against France. Because you won't 100%. have your best players yeah. against France, right? Reportedly, you won't have, um, as in Rustic, most likely you won't have Martin Boyle, like you guys have, have touched on. So it's going to have to be, uh, you know, I kind of agree with what you say, Cody, the, the club level um, not not mattering not not for us fans but for the coach. The coach just want a group that can play together and needs a group that know each other and can combine well. That's all. He, that's all he cares. It doesn't matter what form you're on as long as at training I see you at 110 percent and I know that you're going to be good this weekend. Um, so so I I, I kind of get with that. Um, but but who are the players that you know you talk about Devlin? You guys have different ideas of course of who can play up front. But who are the players that are really creating that? semantic team if you don't have the you know the guys that kind of got you there so uh, jeremy i just want to um you know and i apologize to listeners um because i'm going to swear here look we we are somewhat fucked um and, and we kind of do know that um this discussion is around i guess how much we can limit that as much as possible and that and that's 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 kind of where i'm coming into that so look on on the devil and stuff i i've got Basically, I'll, I'll go through it. I've got Ryan in goal. Uh, I've actually got Thomas Dang at right back, and it's kind of similar to, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, uh, your your idea. You've around, gone for so many yeah. bold calls with this eleven holy shit. <laughs> oh, I absolutely am. I absolutely am. I don't care. I really don't care. Um, and you know, it's that centre back at, at fullback kind of thing. But also, you know, we don't have good right backs. Um, I, I've never been impressed by Frank Karacic when he's played for the national team. And I think Nathaniel Atkinson, although he's gained European experience with Hearts this season, that that has to be, you know, noted. I, I don't think he's ready to play on a stage like this. And to be honest, Jeremy, if you take back to that game four years ago, Josh Risden was one of our... Um, was one of our weak spots in that game. Uh, of course, giving away, you know, the penalty in that game as well. So, you know, you, you have to, as much as possible in in those, you know, defensive six positions, um, you know, have guys who you can trust as much as possible. So I'm going with a 4-2-3-1. And obviously, if Suits is fit, is there right center back. And look, I've, I've contemplated putting roles alongside him, but someone did make a good point to me. I think it was, it might've been Antonis or, or someone on, on our, on our, um, our squad podcast on the front page football. But I think with roles and suits are both just coming back from injury, playing both of them alongside each other is probably a bit of a big risk. So probably just putting Dejanek next to him is the, is the best Wasn't that option. Me that that? option. What's that? Wasn't that me that made that point? Take the credit. Okay, fine. You said it. Take the okay. credit. 
You both, well uh, you both actually initially over, over, um, over, sort of estimated on on Milos being in the team because neither of, neither of you put him as an option. No, initially. I didn't because I, I've just never really been very impressed by by Milos when he played for the national team, and I know okay, and I understand right thing. now. I'm... Here's the thing. Here's my my hypothesis yeah. on it. Right, because we're playing against France, all I care about is experience. Lecky with Hertha Berlin. Cummins has played Europa League. Milos Degenek played Champions League with, with Red Star Belgrade. You know, you talk about Atkinson not being ready. Why is he not ready? Because most of his career has been to the A-League up until this point that he started playing consistently for Hearts. I just want the guys who have played in Europe. I want those guys who understand the big occasion. And, you know, it really, like, what's the worst we can do? So for me, when it comes to Sudar being out, when it comes to, uh, you know, Boyle and, um, and Rustic being out, I think that's where you know get get the guys like McGree in the team, um, the the centre back. I would de- I would definitely be starting Degenek, um, Bailey Wright as well because yeah, Bailey right. Wright has played played in the championship. Um, Matt, as Bailey well, Wright's I mean, been playing in League One um, as well, um, obviously championship this year. But like, it's not yeah. like he's you know been been like. He's not comparable with I the don't others. Know. He's no, just, he's, I just he's feel not. like he's one of these guys who's, who's kind of like, you know, you can't, Arnie feels like maybe he can't take, he can't not take him because, you know, he, of course he played in the Peru game next to Rolls and he was excellent that game. I have to commend him on that. Absolutely. But then at the same point, it's not like Bailey Wright's got this massive case to, you know, he has to be a starting center back. I just, he's in this kind of mid tier um, position for me where he's like a backup. But, I but he definitely, but I mean, he, he he definitely adds more experience than Deng, who's been playing in Japan, or um, you know, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Deng was in the J2, he wasn't even in the the the, the main J League, right? Yeah, they they earned promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, they, they did. Okay, well, so it's a similar dynamic to Bailey Wright in that in that respect. He's I guess but Bailey Wright definitely offers as well. Let's you know. yeah, yeah. Sorry, what, yeah, is the re- what is the rest of the team, Christian? Who's the midfielder? Who's the who's the front? Well, so I've got obviously Bayich then at left back. That's that's probably the most obvious decision uh, in this whole team. And then I've gone with Devlin and Irvine as the double six, the pivot. Uh, Moya at ten, Lecky on the right, Gubin on the left, and then I'm undecided between Cummings and McLaren up front. And that's maybe a massive, you know, wow, like he's not even mentioning Duke. But uh, there's no way for me Miss Duke is playing in this game against France. That ball is going to be cleared out of defence, and it's going to come straight back. 100%. And it will happen over and over again. And you guys are going to have 80% of the ball. We're going to have 20% of the ball. And it's going to be like watching Man City playing, you know, freaking Nottingham Forest at home. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be that type of just dominance if, if we're going to have that. You know, he's not a viable outlet. Now, the thing about Cummings is, uh, and Cody, Antonis definitely told me about this one, is that Cummings is is better maybe in a, in a strike partnership as opposed to playing up front by himself. But I do think Cummings has got the ability to hold the ball up and potentially, you know, win a foul or something like that or release mm. a Gubin or a Lecky or who mm. knows, Garan Kual off the bench late on in the game, maybe, um, and, and do that type of um, classic maybe number nine work. But I think McLaren's actually got a pretty decent case to start this game because this is purely going to be counterattacking football and he's absolutely electric. He's the most so, yeah, you know, uh, the more I think about mm-hmm. it, McLaren actually kind of makes the most sense. But, but, but to, to be know, honest with you, to be honest yeah. with you, because of that, because of that direct attacking threat, I think he's mm-hmm. primed for the Tunisia game, and I I want to still go with that sort of experience. Yeah. Um, I completely understand your point about Duke, um, but for me, his physicality plays into it a lot as well. 
Um, Have you seen France's centre backs? <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just saying. You know, that. you know, if I'm Deschamps and I see Duke is starting, I just sub on Ibrahima Kanate right now. Just sub him on after 15 minutes and just put him put him on mission. But the thing He's is, we're talking about how physical France's centre backs are. If we don't if we don't put Duke on the field, who's going to match up to him? Who's going to come close to matching up to him? Well, come dog. No, but we're not going to play. We, what we I'm saying is, don't, what I'm saying is, we can't play that game, man. Like, okay, set pieces. Yep, absolutely. Get Suter in the box. Get Goodwin on the set pieces or Moy, whoever. That's the other thing. Playing, you know, Moy and, actually, actually and Goodwin. Christian, yeah. if Sutar isn't fit, Duke is the only other option who can get up for a, for a big header. That's a good point. That's a good point. But obviously, I'm selecting my team on the basis that Sutar's fit and Suter. he's going to be starting, yeah. right? So but Even if Sutar's fit, I'd rather yeah. have two options in there than one. Potentially, potentially. But I just don't think I've... Look, Mitch Duke played in the Peru game as well. Wasn't very impressed by him in that game at all. And I just think either Cummings or McLaren is a much better option. So, I mean, regardless of who think, the nine was against Peru, I don't think there was room to be impressed with what they were doing. We were playing a defensive, we were playing a defensive brand of football. Yeah, we had absolutely way, no is... outball, Matt. Yeah, but yeah, but Matt, you, you have to have some kind of ability to attack in in a game, right? I mean, look, if maybe for France it's different, you get a nil or draw, okay. But the other thing is, you know, what's important here for me, the way I look at this, is it's not just about you know maybe scramming a nil or draw against France with having 20% of the ball and conceding, you know, 25 shots and having two or something like that. Because for me, that doesn't inspire the squad to then go and get a result against Tunisia in the next game. And that's what I, I'm thinking I, I about as well that. here. Right? I understand that. I understand that. But I, I, I still think that, I still think that to say that, to say that a replacement for Duke like a McLaren would have been a lot better against Peru. I just don't know that I can agree with that specific statement. But no, I didn't say that. When... No, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Okay. I, I was just okay. saying, I, I, I was just judging him solely on his performance against Peru. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, to be we... honest, Matt, I mean, Matt, we, we all know that the subtext of this conversation is that we have no strikers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, pretty that's much. That, that starting 11 that you gave us, Christian, is the starting 11 that you want? Is that the starting 11 that Graham Arnold makes? No, no, I don't think it's the starting no, 11. Graham, Graham Arnold makes. So yeah, Graham Arnold starts Duke, Duke and he starts Awa Mabil on the right and on the left. You know, he uh on the left. Yeah, on the left. Um and he probably starts oh, at right back there. He probably starts Karachich going off, I guess, the New Zealand stuff as well. So yeah, yeah. Is that is is that the starting eleven, you reckon? Matt Matt and Cody, do you have anybody that yeah, look, look, I, I think he's going to go for experience and he's also going to do the most unpopular choice possible because he always does. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm looking at Duke. I'm looking at Karacic. Oh, does he go for Bailey Wright at centre-back? Um, if Sudar's unfit, if Sudar isn't, is he partnered with... Uh, well, you know, Matt, 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 yeah, just, sorry, sorry. Matt, sorry. Um, but just like the names that you're rattling off. Like when I rattle off Devlin, Goodwin, hmm. Lecky. Doesn't that sound like a bit more sexy to you than Karacic, Wright, and Duke? Does it not? Come on. No, no, no of, course, of course it does. But I'm talking about... Jeremy asked Graham Arnold's 11. He didn't ask. He didn't ask for, oh, okay. for right, what was right, the right. attractive. So, so, right. so, yeah. Okay. So, let's... let's. I'm just... Aziz is always going to be the locker on the left. Karacic on the right. Milos and a fit Harry Sutar. Um, in midfield, Moy and Irvine stay as is, unfortunately. Um, you know, by comparison to what the others were saying. Um, again, if Rustich isn't fit, I put McGree as the 10, but what would Graham Arnold do if Rustich isn't fit? There's a there's 
There's, I, 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 don't, be, I don't know because he's been very reliant yeah. on Frostic, and the only other player that's occupied that position is Tom Rockett, who's who didn't who didn't didn't fly to Qatar. Well, to be fair, I'd be he happy did have with to fill that yeah, role Cody, in sorry. the Olympics. Yeah. Hey? So if he plays faith there, then uh, was that was that Tilly at the Olympics? Sorry, no, McGree, um, McGree would fill oh, that McGree role. Did. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he carries that faith, maybe he had a lot of faith in those Olympic boys. So he did, he did. I mean, it no, was. I'd um... just say that. Um, sorry, um, that McGree would be. Yeah, I, I don't. I just. I don't know because starting in, in looking at my team that I had there, I just think you could put McGree at ten and have Devlin and Irvine as as the two sitters. But actually, actually, you know, can I can I paint a scenario for you, Christian? Yeah. Devlin. Oh. Oh no! I've just I just feel like it's weird to not have Moy in here somewhere. Like I don't think yeah, Moy yeah, yeah. is going to okay, suit so, okay. this type of game. Uh, Moy, no, no, no. I've got, yeah. it. I've got it. Moy as the ten, Devlin as the six, alongside Jackson, McGree yeah. on the right. If Boyle, that's another if Boyle option Frustich. for sure. Yeah, if Boyle, yeah. Boyle, Frostich both out. Yeah, yeah. And maybe on the left and Duke up front. Uh, yeah. No Duke up front, please. And well, you reckon Arnie is to be happening? Let it happen. Let it happen. It's gonna happen, isn't it? Oh, I know. It's actually gonna happen, hundred percent. Gonna wake and up at four thirty play- on on Wednesday. And it's gonna be mystery up front, anyway. And they're playing defensively and trying to counter attack. You reckon that's the that's the game? And if you and well, if you do that, is. I mean, look, I think, yeah. Look, if you do that, I do think Lecky on the side of his strongest foot would actually be best off. He probably doesn't have the same pace he did five years ago, but he's still an intelligent player. If you have Mobile going down, he's got the he's got the, the, the European experience. I just exactly. I think, like, you know. This is a guy that started in the Bundesliga for Hertha Berlin, you know, just and you play on that scenario for you as well, actually, because it one that it's one that could actually work into our favor. Let's just say Boyle is fit, but he's not fit enough to start, and we're using for that okay. last half hour, and we're playing him down that left or right side because obviously we want Grand Qual to come in as well. That's a good I weapon. Want, I want Grand Qual to get thirty minutes off the bench. I don't care what the score is at all. I want him to get thirty minutes. I don't want ten bullshit minutes off the bench. I want thirty. Grand I'd be happy with him personally, but if you have someone like Boyle coming off the bench with that pace. And in all honesty, in my opinion, he's probably been our best attacker over the last year or so. Having someone like that off the bench is still a massive plus. And he'll be coming into a game where France's defense haven't been running around chasing people for maybe an hour or so. They'll be a little bit fatigued. You bring someone like Boyle in, he can take advantage of that. Who, who, depends, who on, do depends we, on how the game's going at that stage. Yeah. Who do we Very see true. making a name for themselves during those, uh, you know, hopefully more than three games, but at least those three games like that that is not known to the to the public yet. In, in this, is this the side grand call? Well, look, yeah, this is this is call, right? I I'd yeah, argue I mean, because of his move to Newcastle, people have already kind of heard of him. So I, if I'm if I'm personally talking about someone really making a name, I'm thinking Devlin or McGree. 100% kind of, but I would say as well that there would probably be Newcastle fans who probably looked at it and thought, oh, yeah, whatever. It's just this, you know, kind of they're, they're signing this player. This it looked like youth. it was a big deal. I mean, they even had... No, what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is, hang on, hang on let me finish my point. What let me finish my point. What they're saying is maybe they look at it and say, they're signing this youth prospect from Australia. He'll get loaned out immediately, whatever. But maybe there will be some Newcastle fans tuning into this game on the off chance and Grant Qual comes on and they want to have a good look at him. And that's kind of... Why I just look the dream story for for Australia is that Grant Cole comes off the bench and he looks unbelievable, but oh, you know, yeah. and he actually gets like good minutes. And it's kind of like it, it's kind of different though to maybe Arzani in 2018 because although he he did look good, particularly in the Denmark game when he came off the bench, I feel like Kowal 
and maybe this is harsh and maybe I'm forgetting about Azani at Melbourne City, but Kowal, I just think is better. I don't know, like that, <clears throat> my apologies, that goal that he scored against MacArthur on the weekend, I mean, watching that live, the, the goal from the tight angle was just like, like, you know, I wasn't like maybe as high on him as other people, but then after seeing that performance and he just completely changed the game and it was just like, well, okay, this kid is actually kind of serious. Um, Paul's impact, Paul's impact yeah. on the Mariners is also much bigger than Azani's impact was at Melbourne City because Melbourne City were already stacked at that particular moment in time. That's right. Sorry, yeah. yeah, and and Garang is also coming off the bench and changing games. He's not, you know, it, it's kind of like, it's almost now I feel, and it's been much talked about how he doesn't start games and it's becoming an almost expectation that he is going to come off the bench and change a game. It's like, yeah, he is going to, you know, here comes Garang, watch out. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure that, now... Even yeah. with that, as that expectation build, he still manages to live up to it and gets better each and every time. And that's something where we saw with Azani where once he did have that expectation on his shoulders, he made that move to Celtic. And yes, look, I understand injuries played a part, but he did really seem to plateau from there and then fall into a slow decline. Whereas people might have thought, okay, yeah, once Grant Core has his pressure on him, he's not going to live up to it. We're going to see him falter. But each time you watch him, he just seems to get better and better. And well, he just plays with no fear. Arnie, Arnie summed that up perfectly. Uh, yeah, and I do think, yeah, I do think Arnie understands well. what he is as well. Yeah. And so I just reckon... want to point out, I just want to, want to point out, again, it's not it's not too relevant, but with the centenary and all, um, our first cap in 1922 was an Irish-born Scottish immigrant named Alex Gibb. And if we were to have one of these Scottish immigrants or an African immigrant provide a, a goal against France... That's that's such a full circle moment for just the, the migration story yeah. in Australia and and what the jersey means. So I just just needed to have that because it's yeah. it's important. It's a, it's a game of uh, of a lot of significance. The um, obviously you guys talk about playing defensively against France. I think it's also the best bet that you have because if there's one thing that France doesn't know how to do uh, under Deschamps is actually having the ball and actually creating in small spaces because all those players who do well in their own club, like Mbappé with Neymar and Messi, it doesn't matter if they play against a team who parks the bus, they'll be able to go through. But whenever they play against France, the criticism for, uh, whenever they play with France, excuse me, the criticism in the international team is that they don't know how to combine together that Mbappé in France is only good against big teams because he can use his pace, but otherwise he's not able to actually create against a team that defends well. Uh, and, and I would say that if you think Arne is going to play defensively. Believe me, Deschamps is going to play defensively and he's going to try and get Australia to come up, come up, come up. Because the only place where we good France is when we play counter-attack, just like just like PSG, to be honest. But uh, th- that's all That's all we can do. And against Australia, you know, you guys are you, saying the few players that are missing against Australia, France is playing with a, a never-seen-before centre-back pairing because they don't have a choice. They don't have Benzema, so it's probably going to be Giro up front. It's going to be two midfielders that have not played at that level as well. So I think there is a shot in the sense of it's still a new team and they can be surprised early. And if, like I said, if you play defensively, you're actually causing them issues by giving them the ball. Is that something that is felt from Australia or or you're just seeing friends as as too good regardless of what happened? See, it's interesting that you mentioned this, Jeremy, because, and look, I don't want to get into this, but if if we were going to this World Cup coached by Ange Postacoglu and you said... France are happy to sit back and give us the ball, then I'd be like, okay, all right, let's see how this plays out. But 
Australia under Graham Arnold have not shown to be an adequate team that can break down a low block. Um, and I actually, my biggest fear is going into the Tunisia game, for example, uh, this World Cup, and, you know, we're just kind of maybe sabotaged by them and swarmed and, and, and they kind of could dominate us in a game like that where, where we're caught off guard and, and we're trying to be pragmatic and this sort of thing. Christian, and how much Tunisia me. have you watched? With all due respect, how much of no, Tunisia no, I haven't, are you I haven't, Matt. With? I haven't, Matt. We're going but, to, we're but, going to disagree, ha- Matt. Well, what I'm saying, if you, if you know anything, yeah. if you know anything about their particular qualifying campaign and the fashion with which they qualified, they 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 are struggling in an attacking sense. No, 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 right and, and 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 I've read on 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 Jeremy's article, which will drop soon on on front page football, that you know that they got through in in very you know uh, um you know comedic kind of circumstances. Really it was very yeah. lucky. So I'm not I'm not saying that, but Matt. Mo- I'm talking more from an Australia point of view and we'll go into that game thinking, yeah, we can, you know, we can dominate possession and we can take this game to them. But when is this team under Graham Allen really shown that they can dominate a game and actually take it to their opponents that wasn't, you know, Vietnam at home or something of this nature? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I, I'd still say that there were, okay. Okay. <laughs> Matt, even against you, New Zealand you, we, in the recent friendlies, the one at Suncorp, I mean, Trent Sainsbury, yeah, okay, he's not going to this World Cup, makes two mistakes in the first half an hour. No, that I, I understand that. I understand that. But regardless of who the opposition is, we play in the AFC, right? So we have to understand that it's going to be a weak opponent regardless. In the in the when we went when we won the first four games in a row um, of that final, sorry, not what wasn't four in a row, sorry, when we won the first, uh, it was the Oman pain. game. Whenever the Oman game was in in Doha in Qatar. Um, that was a team that expressed a lot of attacking freedom and dominated the game and won convincingly 3-1, right? So there mm-hmm. is a blueprint there regardless. And I think that has to be taken in and, and understood that it, it, that it, it, we can show it. I just don't know that, that especially, you know, like you say, with Mitchell Duke starting, for example, if Deschamps does say, bring bring the game to us, yeah, we're, 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 we're fucked. But... <laughs> I, I still think that there is there is an example there, and there is a, a attacking freedom that Australia can play. There is an example. I'm not doubting. Look, I'm not doubting that we can't play and that we don't have the players to do it. My biggest fear is the manager going into this game and absolutely freaking out and just going, "No, no, no we have to park the bus," and, and mm. that's what he does. You know, look at mm. look at the um, I want to say the Olympic campaign that he took charge of uh, with the with the Oliroos now. Uh, a historical result that we had beating Argentina 2-0. And the next game against Spain, now, granted, it was Spain and they had some players, some overage players who were very good, but we went into that game. I had half the Euro squad, to be fair. No, but hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, Cody. But I'm not talking necessarily about, you know, looking at that game as a one-off. I'm talking about we've just come off a massive result against Argentina, a historical result, and then we went into Spain and said, just come and attack us and we're Mm going to, like, clinch on for dear life. And that sort of message that you're sending to your players is kind of like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the players kind of thought, hang on a minute. I mean, look, we know we're not as good as Spain, but we just we just won 2-0 and we played pretty well. That Argentina game wasn't actually a game where Australia kind of sat in either. Like they actually showed some really good attacking moments too. And then so... You know, my, my biggest fear is, is how the manager tactically is I'm, going to set I'm this I'm probably up. reading far too much into this, but Graham Arnold did say publicly in 2018, the issue against France, This is, he has said this, this is his own quote, in 2018, mm-hmm. the issue against France 
was that we tried not to lose and we're not going to do that anymore. So I don't know if that's an indication that he wants to play more attacking, Maybe. but I can understand that you're you're pretty fraught with that because there's the blueprint is is very few and far between. But it's you difficult. It's that. difficult to do that. It's difficult to do that when you're not working with that blueprint all the way through up 100%. until you know. And 100%. and this is again back to Postacoglu. This is why 2014 was so important for the 2015 Asian Cup win because he used it as a blueprint we're going to play like this in the 2014 against these three great nations and look we're probably going to get killed we conceded nine goals whatever but then we went on one the agent cup so yeah look I'm, I'm getting a little bit off topic and i understand that but yeah but just one that, that is my fear that, as a manager with that olympics campaign how you brought up the spain game the thing is that could have actually been a genuine tactical decision because if you look at spain historically cody just wants to do- jerk off about spain <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually going to criticize him heavily right now. Sorry, Jeremy. Sorry, I did not mean to use that language. <laughs> French people don't understand this language. Go ahead. <laughs> this is what happens when you get three Aussies on a podcast. Anyway, the thing is with those Spain sides, they actually struggle most when you sit back like that. You saw it in the Russia game where Spain almost completed a thousand passes in that game, for Christ's sakes. But because mm-hmm. Russia sat so deep, Spain are the type where if you give them even a quarter of a space in the box, they will take advantage of it. They'll get in behind you. So you literally need to cover any sort of space that you can. And Graham Arnold was probably forced in that situation. Now, as much as we went through and lost that game, Spain won it very late. And that could come down to a thing of maybe we were fatigued. Obviously, it's hard to do it over 90 minutes. But going in with that approach, understand, yeah, we want to build some momentum on the Argentina game. But going in like that was probably our best bet to get a result from that Spain game. In, Ar- in the Argentina game, we played a bit more counter-attacking. We were willing to take our chances going forward. Would we have liked to see that Spain game? Maybe. But one, we were on a 23 side playing against Spain's almost main team because Spain's main team at the time was essentially their under-23s. That's how good their under-23s were. But that's the thing. Like We were almost forced into that position. It, I don't think it was a thing of, yeah, we're just trying not to lose. That was probably our only way to actually get a good result. But what I mean is, you know... That's a pragmatic approach. Game to game, we're going to do this to suit this opponent, that to suit this opponent, you know, and that type of thing. So how's that any different to what Bert Van Marwijk did in 2018? I just think Bert Van Marwijk didn't really care about his job. I just think he was happy. To oh, okay. So so it's different. It's different because Bert Van Marwijk is Dutch. No, it's not different because he's Dutch. It's different because he didn't is, give a shit. You know, back to his box of kangaroos. He was like, Dutch and you could tell he gave a shit about the Socceroos. That's where the difference lies. I think again, I think against France, playing defensively anyway is what you should be doing. Because, like I said, we are struggling with, with the ball. But then you're going to face Tunisia and Denmark, uh, and, and so that's I think that's yeah, Jeremy. Sorry, I'm probably looking a little bit more to the other two games. To be brutally honest with you here as well. So yeah. So when when you face those way, guys, that's when you with can. With regards to the with regards to the Quals and the Goodwins and the Devlins and the McLarens, you play them against Tunisia because they're going to play without fear and they're going to know how to attack. So I think they they get their chance against Tunisia, and you know I'm, I'm licking my lips because I know of the issues that Tunisia are having, but I also know if you recall, Matt thinks Tunisia back, are really shit. He thinks that we can beat well, them. Well, like well, well, here's 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 where I'm about to here's day. where I'm about to you know. Put the put the foot off the gas because if you recall their five two game against Belgium, they essentially played Christian and Ange Postecoglou type game of mm. there's no fear here. We're giving it our all against a great opponent. The issue is that they've had a lot of players come out of the system since, 
and they've had injuries and attackingly they can't play that Ange Postacoglu style anywhere near as good. So, but mm. this is not a Tunisia podcast. So, no. If we, I just had one about. thing to that, if I had to add one thing to that, is mm. isn't this kind of how he felt against Peru in 2018? Oh, we got our point no, against Denmark. No, I think we were disrespectful of Peru's abilities. That, no, that's what I'm saying. So, so what I'm that what you're is, doing for for Tunisia right now. Yeah, no, there's that's a, what there, I'm there is a, there is a fundamental understanding of how the team changed from 2018 to 2022 because they mm. were more of a threat in 2018. Because I'm acknowledging that, I'm not disrespecting them like we disrespected Jordan in 2019. I'm acknowledging. No, no, the no, I know, I know, I know. You understand that because you did your research. I'm talking about the wider Australian football scene are probably looking at Tunisia. And to be honest, I'll even say a little bit I am at saying it's our second game, which is a massive, that's a massive thing, by the way, that we're playing Tunisia second and not third. And it's not like a Peru situation in 2018 where it's like it just kind of fizzled out by the end of it once we went 2-0 mm. down. But, um, you know, what I'm saying, I guess, is be very careful at thinking this Tunisia team is maybe weaker than what they were and that, you know, we we should be able to attack them in this, that, and the other. Because at the end of the day, Peru dominated us in that third game in 2018. But anyway, Jeremy, sorry, go- your podcast, and, to- and we are going off topic. I'm going to defend my my Tunisian brothers. And just because where I was going there was, I think it's obviously, Christian, like you said, a very important game for Australia, Tunisia, because it gives you a chance to get the upset. If you can beat Tunisia, mm-hmm. then you actually have a chance at having the mm-hmm. game of your life against Denmark, who right. by this point could be disqualified or, or not having a chance to get there or or something like that so so that's an important game that said you know mm-hmm. everything that you said Matt about how Australia gets into this competition the 100 year um, anniversary and Graham Arnold gives a fuck and stuff like that Tunisia is exactly in that mindset they have a coach that is Tunisian that have recruited within the Tunisian league to try and make a team that actually matter he's got lucky that he's got players that weren't as good a few years ago and I'm thinking mainly about Montas Artalbi, the defender from Flon Lorient, who's just smashing it in Ligue 1 this season, who are finally getting to a good uh, game. He's got M. Sakni. He's M. Sakni is the hero of Tunisia. He was supposed to go to every single club you can, you know, in Europe, and he decided to go to Qatar instead. And for once, he's gonna have M. Sakni in a, in a good, in good form for a big competitions. So they're really seeing this competition, Tunisia, as it's going to be hard, but this is our chance to finally get out of, mm. of group stage. Mm. They are like France has a lot of Tunisian immigrants. The, the Tunisian community is very optimistic, not stupidly optimistic, but thinking we won't have another chance like this for another. This is our golden generation. This is where we can do it. And and one player that I all talk about is, um, I don't know his name, the guy who plays at Ferenc, Ferenc Varos, um, the 24-year-old midfielder who is like their, their light and who's who's kind of, I guess, what you guys are alluding when you talk about Ajin Rustic, who's a guy who can lead the ball himself, who can be um, a, so some sort of a jeep, jeep line it's not, um, um, playmaker. It's not scary, is it? Is it scary? No. No, not scary. I would skip. Scary is great as well. No, La, La, no he La plays Duny. for Kong. He plays for Kong, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Salah Duni, I think his name is. He played against Monaco uh, with Ferenc Varos and he was the only player in that Ferenc Varos team who was actually very good. So they have a lot of hopes, Tunisia. Uh, but, mm. but for Australia, it's like it's the most important game almost because he'll decide yeah. if you can get to the round of 16 or not. Mm. One one player that I actually really like from um, Tunisia, and he played he played a lot in France, um, Niam Sliti. Uh, 
He yes, played he for did. Red Star FC in France yeah. a few a few years back. Yeah. He won't, I don't think he's going to be on the starting lineup, uh, Slitchy, because I think it's Kazri and Msakni up front and Slitchy might, might come in. But yeah, but you got come on the wing a little bit? Or was he, that, am I sort of thinking of sort of an older version of him? I think so. I think Slitchy okay. and what's the other one? Jaziri, who used to play, who used to be a bit faster, I guess. Now they're, yeah, they're yeah, when they came in, at least the last few games, they came in uh, up front. But yes, Kiri yeah. is great. Laduni is good. And then they have this young kid, Ben Sliman, who's, who's slowly... Uh, making waves all but but anyway what, what i'm saying sorry is the is is france the the rehearsal for tunisia mm. or is france a beat us up and we'll try and come back how do you guys think not you guys how do you guys think arnold is is um going into that game look i think i think arnie probably look he backs himself and he backs a squad and that's his mentality he's always done that um, particularly in his Sydney FC days, he was very much like that. You know, he is, um, you know, I don't want to say arrogant, but he, he does kind of come across as, you know, we can do this, let's go, you know, don't fear them, this, that, and the other. Um, now, often that kind of doesn't follow with with an actual performance which resonates that, which is kind of my frustration. But mm-hmm. I think that the France game, look, I don't know, I can't really put my finger on how he's going to approach it because Matt's right. You know, you look at his comments and you think, okay, well, does that mean Australia is going to try and maybe manage the game a little bit? And in moments they'll try and press and in other moments they'll sit off or does it mean, no, they're going to show him all this respect and they're just going to sit off all game and try and jag a goal on the counter. I don't know. But the way I would look at it hundred percent, as you were alluding to Jeremy is France is a free hit. If we lose four nil, we lose four nil. Um, but, you know, we do have to be careful potentially of goal difference. Who knows if it does come down to that as well. But I think it is a free hit. And I think all our energies really do have to go into Tunisia first and foremost. And then Denmark, who are a much better team uh, and who are really, in my opinion, almost pretty much in Europe's elite these days as well. But look, let's not forget four years ago, we did get a draw against them and we should have won that game. So... Of course, they're better and we're probably weaker since then. Yeah, they've evolved. But, the the yeah. Danish team has evolved a lot. They have, um, they have. Yeah. When, when so, was that Matt, quote, Cody, Matt, yeah. from, uh, from Graham Arnold? Sorry? When was that quote when he says in 2018 we, we lost? Was it just um, after the competition or was talking, it recently? Uh, he, it, was, it was sort of in the period just after the Peru game when okay. we had qualified and his immediate response was well we were too defensive so we've, we've got to go on the attack against France but look it was it was definitely something that was probably more for sort of you know like a a, a big sort of statement to, to get the media Cameras. you know interested but mm. at the same time like if he said if he said that on the record he still said it on the record and and I'd, I'd hope that he'd stick to that you know so Unfortunately, yeah. the thing, the biggest thing is no one ever really knows what Arnie's thinking sometimes. No. It's, it, it is, it is, it's kind of sad in a way, but I think I'm hopeful that we do go and I don't want to use this France game as a free hit. I don't think if we lose, we lose. I can understand that. Did you just use a cricket term on a French podcast? <laughs> what, what, what term? Okay. Don't worry about it, Cody. Uh, look, I don't understand cricket terms. So if I used it by accident, that that's, it was an accident. <laughs> um, but yeah, look. If we lose, we lose. I understand that, but I would like to see a team with a bit of ambition in that game. Tunisia, would you call it a must-win? 
Yeah. Like, I know we're saying we're looking yeah. at it. Yeah, like, I, would, it? I would. Has to yes. be. Under what be. circumstance would it not be? Well, the only True. circumstance it would not be is if we pull off some ridiculous upset against France. Yeah. Which that would, would be, be good the only Cody, Cody might have actually picked that because he's got us in the round of six. Cody, did you... Oh, you... Oh, I said just, it before. Just you don't want to ask you the question. You got upset because you had to ask you the question. Did you pick for Australia to go out? Oh, I'm out of here, I said. <laughs> I, I have confidence Sorry that Australia can win this first game. I'll for say it on the record. Listening, Matt, Matt just left the call for a second. And hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Jeremy, I think that just got muffled up. Did you just say that you have confidence that we'll win this first game? Me? Yes. No, Cody. Cody. Yes. Uh, I hope you win the okay. first game as well. Okay. Okay. Look, confidence. Uh, as yeah. Matt said at the start of the, at, at the start of the podcast, it is cautious optimism. I think there is a chance that we can that we can win this game. I think I I would bet on it happening. Could I be very very wrong and have egg on my face? Yes. Am I willing could, to could put you? my hand up and say I was wrong if it, if it does happen, or as some people might say, when it does happen? Yes. But look, I'm, I will forever be the optimist. I think if Australia does the right things in this game, if we don't go and just sit back and we do actually try and look to take our chances going forward, I think there's every chance we can get a result. And look, at the end of the day, this is football. Crazy things have happened. Costa Rica made a co- uh, the, quarter, uh, the quarterfinals of a World Cup. Who's to say we can't win one game? Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? And and I, was, I always think that sometimes and I go, oh, we'll think about you know, this team in, in 2010 or this team in 2014 or this team in 2018. Cody, do you realize that it is never Australia who is that team? And well, that, that is, that is the brutal reality. Re- and there's a good reason for it. They actually have really decent players in their prime every single time they do it, which is why I'd expect a team like the USA or Canada to, to pull off a really big upset. Not us. You know what I mean? Hey? But why not yeah. us? That's, that's why, why not us? Talk, why no, not no, us? no, no. Look, at the end of the day, and and to the to the listeners, you know, I'm talking with a much more pessimistic frame of mind. But when the when the first ball's kicked against France, you know, I'll absolutely be rooting for an upset, and I'll and I'll hope absolutely that we can that we can do something. But I just think that, um, you know, we we can't. I think what I'm cautious of with the Australian media in particular is that, you know, let's not forget that before the playoffs and and after we lost to Japan in Sydney, like that the abuse that this squad was getting and the criticism was probably just and very much warranted. And all of a sudden that just completely flipped because we kind of maybe got lucky against playing a Peru team in such sweltering conditions in Qatar. And, you know, they to, had a maybe an fair, off though, night. You have to actually hand it. We we were the better team in that game. We objectively just played better. So it's not even a case of... Well, I think we defended we better. That's I one think thing we defended we better. On the fact of where we're playing. The only other team in our group that's going to understand the conditions that, they got, that we're, they're going into is Tunisia. Absolutely. Actually, no, no, absolutely. I, I'd argue I that, that. That's, quite, that's kind of a problem, though, the fact that we have an Arab nation when when we're going, oh, well, we've, we've been undefeated in Qatar in the in, in the 2020s. Yeah, I'm fully aware of the fact that we're undefeated in Qatar in the 2020s. We're playing an Arab nation. It, the logic goes out the window. We, we, if we got another pot three team, I'd be happy to flex on that. I'm not going to do that now. No, but I'm more talking about when we go to those France and Denmark games. Yeah, but... They're not. They're not stupid like Peru. They're going to be well prepared. They've already been in camp. They're already. They're already at camp. Yeah. They're already used to it. Like I just. No. France just yeah, arrived just, yesterday, yeah. so you might you might have an advantage on on France. They left it. They left it quite uh, quite late. Um, boys, so, sort of sort of closing statements. Where does Australia 
get and uh, and what do you make of the of the champions curse as far as as far as France I think the listener wants to know what Australian thinks France can do in that World Cup so first time about Australia then France is going to start this off Cody Cody can you please go first yeah you go first Cody go ahead look I hate the fact that I am tipping this because I don't want to be one of those guys that are going, oh, the champion's curse. Yeah, the champion's curse. Francis is going to get knocked down the group stage. It's TikTok, Instagram. It's all coming to you. Go ahead. Yeah, but look, if I am tipping anyone to get knocked out in the group, if I'm tipping anyone for Australia knockoff out of that Denmark-France battle, I would say it's France, mainly because I'm buying into the discourse that's happened around the squad. Um, I know the last Euros probably didn't go as well as they wanted to. They're not in the greatest of form. I, I know, Jeremy, you said that at, at the start of the podcast that when we can't still major tournament like this, that will all go out the window. I'm looking at what happens if it doesn't and if that kind of does carry you through. And I think Australia can take advantage of that. Matt, you're still... Yeah, it very uh, I, I would like to. I would like to speak, I guess, more broadly about the, the tournament and, and the group, not not just Australia in that respect. Because at the end of the day, look, I'm probably disrespecting Tunisia a bit too much, but I've got them finishing bottom and us in third. Um, and uh, Jeremy, I, I I have Denmark winning the group, so I, I, I think well. that yeah. I think that France will have their slip ups here and there, but the champion's curse has been willed out of existence by the fact that this is the first time we're going into a world cup and everyone has actually spoken about it already before the tournaments kicked off. No one was talking about it in years prior, regardless of how messy certain situations looked. And I got to be honest with you, you know, Italy of 2010, they were worse. Germany of 2018, arguably worse. Spain of 2014. I mean, the dynamics that play there were very confusing because it was a very tough group. Um, whereas this, you know, just isn't. Um, and you know you could probably stack it up and say that France are better. So I just, it's not. No, it's not happening. It is not happening, and it's not happening at our hands. I don't think. But I don't think we're getting blown out of the water. I just don't think. I just think with the way that we're set up and the way that we play at these tournaments, we're looking at sort of a one goal, two goal result. Christian. Yeah, I think I'll speak a little bit more to the to the French side of things. I'm really interested to see how how the midfield's going to go for France and seeing how that operates. I think Jeremy is what, like Shulmany and Kamavinga and even Fafana, like these types of guys, you've got potential concern with no Kante and no Pogba. Personally, Pogba, I don't really care. But, um, you know, you've got probably two of the most promising young midfielders in the world potentially, you know, getting getting a lot of minutes at this World Cup, which is really interesting, I think, for, for France. I think the other thing as well is, okay, maybe no Benzema, but to be honest, I actually, in a weird way, fear Giroud a little bit more. I think he could actually bully Australia's centre-backs a little bit more, and he's he's got that more maybe clever hold-up play. And I know I'm talking about the Ballon d'Or winner here, but I do feel like Benzema is more the type to get on the end of get on the end of things and be a real natural poacher, whereas Giroud can maybe bring others into play and, and do this type of thing a bit better. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'll be interested to see how Australia copes with 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 Olivier Giroud if he does start in this game too. And and on Australia, um, look, although again, you know, I've been a little bit pessimistic in the podcast. There are some players that I'm very interested to see how they go. Uh, I do really want to see Cameron Devlin play genuine minutes in this in this tournament. I want to see Thomas Deng get some minutes. I want to see Craig Goodwin. Um, agree. And and most of all, I think we all want to see Grand Qual, and not because you know we want to you know, wave, you know, him him in the faces of all these, you know, people in Europe when when he comes on and does like one skill move. No, it's not really about that. For me, it's it's more about actually seeing how good is this guy really? 
Like, because we've only really seen it in the A-League. Newcastle seem to buy into what he's doing, but I really want to see if he comes on with 30 minutes to go, is he just going to get the ball and basically be like, no fear, I'm running at these guys, let's see what we can do. Um, or is he going to go into his shell a little bit? I really hope it's the former and not the latter. And uh, I'm really interested to find out. Thank you, boys, for for giving me all, all of your time and, and all those uh, those cautiously optimistic to pessimistic prediction um i'd say i'd say and cody will will see which one of us is uh is right but i saw australia goes through and france definitely goes through uh and and probably maybe maybe if they fail it's in the semi-final but i think they they have a nice little competition ahead of them i think denmark is that team that um struggled this this year because i think they had their shiny moment last year and and then maybe they might ride that wave and forget to actually uh, play the game, but 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 who knows? But yeah, Koji. Unfortunately, you said that France was not going to get the group, so it's probably the last time we see you on on the Castellin podcast. It was it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure <laughs> meeting you. I've got a black mark next to my name. <laughs> we got a blacklist under Koji. Koji, uh, forget about the common the common men football podcast. This is not this is not. Unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> forget about it. Uh, no, th- thanks, boys. I really appreciate the time. I really enjoyed um, the chat and having three real Australian connoisseur coming to, to talk about um, their team because I think um, people who didn't know much about culture of football in Australia probably know now that even if three people work together, they can have uh, pretty strong opinions about what their team can be and all of them agreeing that the coach is not good enough for what the team is. Uh, so hopefully that hopefully that'll change after this World Cup or, or soon enough. Uh, and any any last word? Any Do we need to talk a bit about front page football? Christian, what are we doing in... Uh, in, in Australia with this new media? Well, um, sorry, what, get, get a bit more specific with that question, Jeremy, please. <laughs> plug, plug me in a bit on front page football. If I'm if I'm an American listener listening to Breaking the Lines right now and, and I need to know a bit about what's written in front page football so I can know a bit more about yeah, no, football, I, I, where can I find? Absolutely. So www.frontpagefootball.net. And to be honest, we really take a bit more of a unique look into into all the different kind of stories, I guess, happening in, in Australian football, uh, really locally as well. Um, you know, uh, Cody, who's on this podcast, does a lot of great stuff on the women's side of things. And uh, Matt, as well, has done some great stuff for us too, uh, looking at some different stuff, um, you know, things like, you know, Southeast Asian football and how that links to Australia and active support and, you know, all these types of different things. So um, I think the other thing with us is that we're, you know, a platform for young writers. Uh, You know, we want young people to come on and express their views and develop as writers. And I think giving them that opportunity is, is being really cool uh, um, from my point of view. And I think, uh, you know, you have to ask Cody and Matt, but I think they've enjoyed it and uh, we're always open to take on more people. And uh, I think to your point, actually, Jeremy, around new media and stuff, I think unfortunately, you know, it's becoming a lot harder for, for football to get recognition in mainstream media in Australia um, because that's just, you know, how it is. And, and, you know, there's, in my opinion, there's no real point, you know, moaning about it. It's about kind of rolling your sleeves up and, and doing it yourself. And that's kind of, my opinion towards it and uh, and that's what we've been doing and i think we've been doing a great job but uh for sure um we're, we're looking to ramp things up so yeah that that sounds awesome thanks christian thank you matt thanks cody thanks for uh for coming on to the the pod uh and uh, and yeah guys listening do go and check the front page football podcast uh do go and check uh, koji i don't want to to say the name wrong again 
the common <laughs> football fan. The Am I missing one? Fan. The, the common, common football, football fan, fan it is on uh, on TikTok, on Instagram, on everywhere that you find it. And you'll find Matt peppering in e- either of those uh, publications. Thanks, guys. And uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you after maybe Australia caused an upset against Les Bleus. Merci, everyone. Ciao, ciao.